behind the bar. My life is more than money and jewelry. My story's so crazy, dog. I said make a movie behind the ball. I went from playing sports to exotic whips. Ain't gotta tell me, dog. I know I'm the shit behind the ball. My life is more than money and jewelry. My story's so crazy, dog. I said make a movie behind the ball. I went from music exec to this podcast. Now I finally feel at home and laugh behind the ball. Yo, yo, what's good, ladies and gentlemen? You are tuned in to the award-winning Behind the Baller podcast. Yes, all that, all the above. Um, I am your host, of course, Ben Baller. Not Ben Humble. The Korean Earl Woods is a... This is a tough episode to do. I have to say this is probably the toughest episode out of all of them so far to date. Uh, for those of you who do not know, my cousin Rex Yang Jr., born uh, December 17th, 1977, uh, passed away Tuesday morning in uh, a city of Houston, Texas. He is uh, definitely one of my closest friends in life besides being family He's somebody I spoke to pretty much almost every day, right? And I have a very, very small circle. Uh, I, you know, I have a handful of friends and um, I have a million acquaintances. But he's somebody, you know, I've, uh, man, the craziest part about this all is obviously it's, um, uh, you know, this was not planned uh, I plan on having Michael Dixon on the show, regardless, right? The punter for the Seahawks. And as I am interviewing Michael Dixon on Tuesday morning at 9 a.m., very random, Michael Dixon, uh, he lives in Texas in the offseason. And uh, as some of you may know, if you pay attention to the news, the weather is fucked up over there, super cold really uh it's snowing and um most of the state has lost electricity and electricity was out for 36 40 hours 40 hours or so to a lot of people and some people right now still do not have electricity it's crazy and the worst part about it it's in the inner city areas and the fucked up part it's like this shit could have been avoided but i don't know the specifics of everything but for some reason Texas does not share the federal power. They're on their own grid. It's very weird. So going on, on Monday night, Michael Dixon text messaged me. He says, hey, man, I might not be able to do this interview tomorrow. Uh, I'm sorry. I want to do it. And um, we have no electricity. So the crazy part is I wasn't even thinking that Houston didn't have electricity. Didn't even think about that. Just thought, okay, well, he's in Austin or Dallas. So, you know, maybe, you know, you know, I was thinking about my cousin Rex and um, my cousin uh, Rex moved to Houston during the pandemic. He he got COVID, which is crazy, right? And, um, you know, what's crazy is uh, his wife, uh, she's not a huge, um, I mean, I think she thought that existed and stuff, but you know, that she has her own different views and stuff. And, and a lot of people who moved to Texas moved there for a reason besides taxes and things and stuff. And, uh, you know, for the most part, uh, from what I know from his wife, she liked Texas, you know, they like Texas and, and Rex seemed to like it and stuff, but obviously, you know, they left the hecticness and the crazy shit that was going on in Seattle to be in a, you know, a more chill environment. And then, you know, this shit happens. So what's crazy is, 
this episode was not going to be necessarily a Seattle episode. It was just an episode I was going to talk about a few things, talk about some sports, talk about some other stuff. And I've cut a lot of that out of the show, right? If it makes it into the weekend wrap up next week, I don't know if it doesn't. And I, you know, this is going to fuck me up for a very long time. This ain't something that just, this is, uh, man, you know, I can't stop thinking about, you know, for the first 24 hours, it's just like, I, I can't believe it. This is just, this can't be real. Ever since that 24 hours has passed, it's more like, well, damn, you know, he should still be here because, you know, he's got at least another 40 years of life left. At least, you know, he's lived half his life maybe. And there's another 40, you know, we got kids, you know, and um, we should see our kids grow old together. And, you know, um, Rex left behind uh, two boys and a wife. Um, JP is 12 years old. Enzo is eight years old. It's, it's tough. You know, um, I can't even imagine what my nephew's going to be like, you know, um, growing up without their dad. It's just a fucking really terrible situation. But going on, um, I interview Michael Dixon and the interview goes, uh, Not you'll see when you listen to it in a little bit, it extended a little bit. And as I get off, I see missed calls because I have my phone on Do Not Disturb. We do the interview via phone and stuff. And um saw some missed calls. I, I didn't, you know, obviously they went to, to voicemail and um, I saw some text messages and there was a lot of text messages. And one was from his best friend, Byung. And it said, hey, Hyung. Um, Hyung means big brother in Korean, right? It says, hey, Hyung. Rex died this morning. And as I'm saying this through the microphone right now, I got goosebumps in my toes, my legs, my thighs. I have chicken skin all over my body right now. It's fucking just, I froze. I was uploading the Michael Dixon interview, stopped uploading it, called Byung immediately. This is a pretty, you know, he's a man's man. Byung is a solid dude, dad. Known him for almost 10 years. Um, maybe longer than that. I'm sorry. No, and and, and um, he uh, he's not a pussy. Definitely a tough guy. To hear him in tears, it it fucked me up. And I think I told you guys before from, you know, my boy Bam passing away from Cocky Riders. I have a weird thing, you know, not many things shock me and not many things make me sad uh, except me and my kids and stuff, right? And it just, it hit me so fucking hard. I just was, I don't think I said anything for like a good 30 seconds and there was really no no talking. And so I said, hey man, I'm gonna call you back, you know? So I call Rex's wife and I get the whole story and um, crazy part about the whole situation is they didn't have electricity and I didn't know. And house is fucking freezing and there's snow and there's all this crazy shit and there's just, you know, the police and a bunch of people there. It's just a whole fucking nightmare going on there. And, you know, there's there's frozen trucks storing bodies in there. It's just like, young man, like, and there's already, obviously, if, if you forget there's COVID, there's still a pandemic going on, whether you guys, you know, want to believe it or not. And so I'm like, all right, well, where's Bex? And, and, you know, for hours upon hours, you know, he's just sitting in the house still. And um, I hope he didn't die with any pain. Uh, it seemed that like he died in his sleep. Um, it's just a, a really unfortunate situation. And, and um, now that I can kind of talk about it, I've just been really weird. I've kind of just 
uh, I've just been really, 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 and just in a fuck, not in a bad mood, just in a very, just, you know, life is so fucking precious and so just, man, it's so short. You know, me and my cousin, man, is, is crazy. You know, in 2010, we started FriendlyEarth.org with uh, two other guys, Brian and Jake. And, um, you know, the offices, we finally, finally got the offices for Starbucks. Anytime Rex has put his mind to anything, he has done well. He's one of the very other few hustlers that didn't come from any real money. He was very successful at what he did, and he was a hustler. And he's a very likable guy. He's very outgoing. He's uh, just a... Man, I just I can't explain how charming this dude was. You know, just fucking crazy. You know, and um, remember he hit me up. He's like, "Oh, but we got new offices, bro. You got to come up here." You know, um, we got the first ever Starbucks office in the Soto district, and Soto was kind of a shit box back then, right? And it was always a shit box, but it was like, you know, it was like pretty shitty back then. You know, especially it wasn't until we got Russell Wilson, you know what I mean, that the Soto started cleaning up and it started getting nice and stuff, but. You know, we had our office down there. You know, he convinced me to get a place and all this other shit. And um, I was obviously going to Seattle a lot. You know, I had a business residence there and everything. And just, you know, um, it's just so weird how there's so many ties that I have to there. I just found out from last night that one of my oldest friends, his dad was one of the people that started the fucking Seattle Supersonics. It's just random as fuck. You know, my wife was born in Seattle. Uh, my father-in-law went to high school there. Um, Seahawks fans in 76 and just random shit. Another thing too is I dated a girl in Seattle. Just didn't even think twice about that until I, started, I thought I was like, oh shit, you know what? Damn. Um, I uh, I dated, I, I've, I've had very few serious relationships, meaning, you know, that lasted a while. I had two serious girlfriends who are were born and raised in Seattle and lived there for a long time. One still does, another one moved out, but just fucking weird very weird, right? Um, you know, I befriended a few people from Seattle that I'm very close with. Jay Park is one of them, you know, very famous K-pop stars from Seattle. Apollo Ono, never thought that me and him would be super close from Seattle. Still has a 206 phone number and a whole nine. It's just a weird thing how, you know, um, my ties to Seattle go back and like, at a point in time, Rex sold, and I'm clearing the air, bringing this up just because this is more of a personal thing. Rex sold software for a living for a very long time. And it was a hustle, you know, his thing. And apparently Bill Gates does not like anyone, or Microsoft itself does not like anyone selling software at a discounted price. Um, and it wasn't like he was selling fucking, you know, here and there. I mean, Rex was selling a lot of software. You know, he was moving, he's a hustler. Anything you could think of, Rex would sell it. Real estate, you name it. He had his, he had his hands in everything from stocks to bit. He was one of the first people I know with Bitcoin, right? And um, develop properties, you name it, invested in other businesses, starting an app. Me and him were about to start an app. Um, and literally, we're about to get it going. I just went out there right before the pandemic and we we're getting that rocking and then it just fell apart um, due to some other shit. You know, and just, he's just a fucking, he's really a super hustler, you know, born and raised, obviously, you know, from all over fucking, from Federal Way to Tacoma to fucking Seattle to Bellevue to everything, right? And just anything I know about Seattle's through Rex, you know, and, um, I actually have other relatives there too. I don't really speak to too much, but um, it's crazy. He was selling software and uh, maybe I think it might've been six, five years ago, he had gotten arrested and, um, you know, 
the feds come to his house, beautiful house off the lake, and they come like 25, 30 deep. So fucking overreacting. Just I think about this shit. It's so fucking stupid. And they come there with like, they come with like fucking frogmen from the boat. They come with like two, three suburbans and, you know, come so fucking over unnecessary, like just so many fucking cops. They check everything, boom, don't find shit, right? They have guns or whatever in the house, which is nothing, right? It's, it's their gun laws are way chill. And I think about this with Kyle Rittenhouse today and the civil, all the civil lawsuits have been dismissed and just the shit that's going on with Kyle Rittenhouse. I think about that. I'm just like, yo, this is fucking crazy. And not that Rex is, you know, um, but I mean, he's still, you know, his personal color and there's certain things with Asians and stuff, but there's a heavy, heavy Asian community in Seattle. But, you know, he, he, he gets caught up. You know, when people heard about this and his friends and everything, everyone kind of turned away. But I, I believed him. You know, I was like, yo, listen, man, I, I know because I've seen it here and there. And they thought that there was, you know, stolen key gens and all this other stuff. He proved everything. They seized his homes, seized his properties, seized his bank accounts, all kinds of shit. I was like, look, bro, whatever you need, I got you, bro. And the only two people besides his obedient family that stood by were me and Byung. And there was people out there who were hating, talking shit and everything. And this really lasted for, I think, two or three years. He fought this in court. It cost millions of dollars to fight. And during that time, they said, hey, man, you have to serve some time. And I think that was the beginning to the end. You know, him fighting all of it, him going through all this shit and just being, you know, having a, just hated seeing him go through this depression and stuff. And um, I remember I went to Kirkland to the headquarters of, of Zoomies because they want to do some collabs with me. And Rex came with me and he was just, he was, he was so depressed. He was fucked up. And I was like, yo man, you can't come at me with me like this. Like what the fuck is going on with you? But I saw how, how depressed he was. And I was like, look, bro, you got a beautiful wife. You got two beautiful fucking kids, man. Yo man, you are still very blessed. I reminded him so much, you know, like dog, when things go wrong, man, you lean on your direct family, man. Just like, that's what you got to do. Anyways, long story short, Rex ended up fighting it. He took a, a lower plea. A couple other people, some of his homies got busted. And um, I don't think they snitched or anything, but, you know, they just would say, because there's nothing to snitch about, you know, was, they just don't like that shit. It's like, he had a plug and whatever. And and, it, and technically it wasn't against the law. And, and it was a, a weird loophole. And they had sued him in a different state, in the state of Missouri. And it was just real chicken shit, bitch ass shit. And that's why I don't, just don't fuck with Bill Gates, period, just because of that. And for whatever, you know, just, it was just such a small thing. But anyways, that, changed him forever. And, um, you know, after all that fucking bullshit and it lasted like four fucking years, you know, he ended up doing like 20, 30 days in a fed prison in like Oregon. And it was like, they had like tennis court, you know, basketball, fucking they had TV inside the cells and all. It was really chill. Comes out and I'm like, yo bro, it's time to focus and you know, fuck it. And he did. He was a workaholic. He just said, fuck this. He was like, fuck, I just want to make money. And he just turned into a madman and got back on his hustle. And I was really hyped for him. The government ended up giving back like 80% of his money. And he was just like, fuck it. I'm going to get into it, whatever. And, um, you know, to me, I feel like Rex was an iconic person in the city of Seattle. I think uh, a lot of people knew him. He was well-liked by a lot. I, I know he had a lot of haters as well, but just I think they were more jealous about what was going on with him. But, you know, he just, he just uh, I don't know, man. 
He's really just a ball of energy, cracked me up. He'd always tell me he was proud of me, that he looked up to me in certain things. You know, I just treated just regular. But the crazy part is never in a million fucking years did I think that I would join the Seahawks fandom. You know, we were, what, seven and nine that year in 2011. I was just like, yo, man, fuck, man, we suck. Fuck it, let's do it. Let's go. You know, let, let dog, let's go. You know, and um, Russ came in, shit changed. Obviously, you know, won the chip pretty quick. And, um, you know, I just uh, I, I just have so many memories. You know, I've, been, I've spent, what, 100 times, 100 days in Seattle at least. I just miss him so much that I just don't know even what to say. I don't know how to act. It's very strange. You know, we have our Seahawks tickets together, and that's another thing that's just so fucking awkward and... And uh, going to the games will be so different. It's just very, 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 uh, you know, hasn't happened yet, but I just don't know, you know. So for those of you who don't know, I'm sure from, you know, I've been very vocal about COVID and what's been going on with coronavirus. I haven't flown in almost exactly a year, right? In about a week and a half, it'll be exactly a year that I have not flown on a flight anywhere, right? And to the year prior to the pandemic, I have been on 120 plus flights. So I fly like a motherfucker. So there's no exception. Uh, I've spoke to his, you know, his family and things. Obviously we got to bring his body back from Texas to Seattle. I don't know how that works. I don't know the process. Now I'll say logistics on that. I don't know the logistics on that. Um, but we got to bury my boy in Seattle. Be dope. Fucking bury him next to Bruce Lee. But uh, so yeah, I was thinking about driving my RV out there. But then, you know, it's kind of difficult to park in the city and there's just a lot of shit going on. I don't really know. But at the same time, like, I just feel safe. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to have to get on a flight. And uh, this is a business podcast, so let me be real with you guys. Look, I love flying private, man. It feels great. You know, uh, even Jet Suite's great just for what it is. But to be completely honest with you, where I'm at today and certain things, there's things I splurge on, some things I don't, you know. The cars, most of the time I get my money back here and there. When it comes to flights, you know, especially international, it's a complete waste. Unless you're on Air Drake, you're just not going to be the same. You're not going to get the same experience. You know, you fly first with Singapore Air, Emirates or fucking, you know, even United first is really nice. But just you fly that internationally, it's just totally different. And then, you know, even if it's 10 grand, 20 grand, you know, it's think about it, flying to Asia easily, half a million, $600,000 round trip. And that's not even on a crazy plane. And it's just, fuck that, you know? Uh, most of my private flights, you know, consist of me going to the Bay Area, Vegas, maybe Cabo, things like that. But it's just not worth it to spend 50 grand round trip, maybe a little more than that. I would probably get a little love from my boy, John. But, um, and you know, um, he's an OG homie of mine who runs pretty much the jet scene now. But um, I just thought about, I was like, you know what, man, it's not a big deal. Fly first, I'll buy the seat next to me if, if I have to. And uh, I, I got to get out to Seattle and it's going to be a very weird time going out there. And um, I just want to say to Jenny, you know, um, you're pretty much like a sister to me as well. And I'm going to obviously help you out with JP and Enzo and anything I could do. Obviously, I'm always there for you. This is such a unbelievable, just un unreal time. I, I just 2021 in the most positive voice I could say is, is just really shitty. You know, this year is started out more shitty than 2020 has. So I don't really know what else to say except that I miss you, Rex, and I love you. And I just, I can't believe it, man. I just, I really cannot.
I, I don't know, man. It, it's just fucking impossible for me to put. I can't wrap my hand around it, you know. And of course, much love to the city of Seattle. I, I don't know, man. Emerald City, man. It's just never gonna be the same without you. All those late nights in Capitol Hill and just everything. It's just fucking crazy. It's just so unbelievable to me. Seeing the city grow over the last 30 years as well is pretty crazy. And seeing where it is now is just, um, it's tough, man. It is really, really tough. And with that said, ladies and gentlemen, um, I have a beautiful interview, great interview with Michael Dixon. You know, with punters and even a place kicker, you don't really hear them on interviews or podcasts and things. And one thing I didn't know about Michael Dixon is that he's from Australia and he really has Australian accent. And it's actually, you know, again, I ask these questions. No one gets the questions beforehand. You know, they, they get them right then and there. And this guy had a great answer for everything. Just seemed like such an uplifting dude and, and just such a, his spirits were, were still up, even though shit in Texas was all fucked up. And I just, I can't wait to kick it and hang out with Michael Dixon. But meanwhile, this is a Seattle episode. This is Behind the Baller. We got love for every city in the entire world. But yo, my man Michael Dixon interview is coming up right now. Yo, Miles, you already know what to do, man. Lakey, I need something special, Lakey Lake, man. I need something real special for my boy Rex, man. Something nice, something light. You know what I mean? There you go. That's why I like you, Lakey. That's, that's what I'm talking about right there. All right, y'all. We'll be right back with Michael Dixon from the Seattle Seahawks. Yo, yo, what up, y'all? You already know what it is. You are listening to Behind the Baller podcast, and we have another 12 on the show today. We got Michael Dixon, NFL Pro Bowl punter from my beloved Seattle Seahawks. Mikey, what's good, bro? What's going on? Thanks for having me. Oh, man, come on, man. This is fucking crazy. You know one thing I didn't know because I've never heard you talk or anything, right? I didn't know you were born in Australia, bro. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Moved out in 2015. How the fuck? Like, how, <laughs> bro, how did you, by the way, um, Sydney's one of my favorite places I ever visited, you know? Yeah. And how the hell did you get into American football? Yeah. So basically I played Aussie rules football in Australia. I don't know if you know that sport or anything like that, but as soon as you see like some highlights of that, you'll understand like, how Aussies can kind of make a transition into punting. Um, we basically just punt an Aussie rules ball to each other to move the ball around the field. Instead of soccer where you kick it off the ground, you basically punt it to each other. Um, right. A lot of running. And I always had a big big kick in that, so I was like, didn't go pro in it, was trying to go professional in that sport. I was like, let's just give this American football thing a shot and uh, ended up working out pretty well. Holy shit. Well, let me ask you a question. Like, how is it growing up in Sydney? Is it just a complete culture shock compared to America? Yeah, it was a pretty big jump, but I was always into like, so always watching American movies, American TV shows. Uh, I was always listening to hip hop. So it wasn't like a crazy shock, but like the football scene at Texas was a big shock because it was like, I didn't know how big college football was. I didn't know there was 100,000 seat stadiums in college. Like that, that's what was that was the shock just in texas bro their high school programs are bigger than people's college programs you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah definitely did you ever play american football prior to coming to texas 
No. So my first game of American football that I played was for uh, UT against Notre Dame up in South Bend. And we got killed. I punted like 10 times, like my first half of the game. I was shanking it everywhere. They came to me and said, hey, we got the backup punter. He's going to go in. I was like, no, I'm blowing it. My parents flew out, everything. They made the journey across. And I was just like, no way. I'm, like, if, But then at halftime, Coach Strong came up to me and said, you know what, like, you got it. You're going back out. And then I, that just like lifted my confidence. I felt like I like escaped death almost in a way and then just <laughs> killed it after that, like for the half of that game. And then the rest of the season was up and down. But uh, yeah, I was close to having my spirits broken game one. Well, how did you end up at University of Texas? Did you get recruited or how did that work? Yeah, so there's a punting coach in Australia named uh, Nathan Chapman. Um, he basically is the pipeline for Aussies to get across to college. He has a good connection now and the best punter award has gone to Australian through his program for like five out of the last six years or something. So he has a pretty good reputation. So it's just his word and YouTube videos of me kicking Jesus. a ball at a park and they, they trusted him. And um, yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy how he kind of built that relationship and they trust him. And Damn. Worked so, out well. Yeah. Did you get to play with Quandre Diggs at Texas? No. No, he was. Uh, he left the year before I got there. Oh, okay. But I heard about him as soon as I got on the team. He was like the leader, and people were like, man, we need another person like Quandre to step up and be the leader of the team. And then he would always come back and say, "What's up?" Like he was a. I knew him through college, but um, yeah. So I was pumped when the Seahawks said we were going to get him in a trade. Yeah, no, for sure, bro. And on top of that, man, you know, like he's he's one of the rare ones where, look, man. I was pretty much the smallest guy on my college football team, you know, and I'm, I'm six feet tall. I was about 180, 85, and, you know, fucking Quandre's 5'9", 5'8", maybe. I'm like, Short. Yeah, that's crazy, you know, for him to <laughs> – that's, you know, you have to be 10 times better. Yeah. So what was college life like as a punter, you know, like playing in, in the college team and everything? Like, were people cooler? Yeah, it was cool. Uh, college, basically, you're with those guys every single day, going to class, studying together working out together, coming back, going to the food hall together. You do absolutely everything together. NFL is cool as well, but you're, you're <laughs> much more like secluded to your position group in a way, just by based on schedule. Um, then you got dudes, like I came in, I was 22, and you got dudes that are 30 with a whole family. Whereas in college, everyone's the same age and you're all kind of doing, you're all into the same stuff. But um, NFL is way more chill. I think. Oh, Way more shit. Kill. That's crazy. You're probably one of the first people that ever said that. I've had a lot of different guests on here. Um, yeah. So, bro, explain draft day for you, you know what I'm saying? Like for NFL draft day. Yeah. Uh, it was a bit different for me. Uh, I couldn't have like my family or anything out here because obviously they're all back home, but I had just like my s small group of friends. Um, I was going to do a big thing, but then I thought about it and I was like, I know I'm not going to be able to enjoy this day for most of the day. Because as a punter, you might not get drafted. There's some years where no punters get drafted. And I declared early. So I still had a year of eligibility left. And I was like, I'm good enough to go to the league. Why Why would I waste my time in college in a way? Like, why Why not just go to the league? I'm already good enough. <laughs> good for you, man. But as a punter, like, it was, it's risky. You look like an idiot if you don't get drafted. So th that day was kind of pretty stressful. And then I wanted to go to the Seahawks. I still have the list in my notes on my iPhone if... If I didn't get drafted, I'd want to be a free agent and go to the Seahawks. Um, and then they called. 
I saw WA come up. I was like, WA, West Virginia. There's no team in West, like West Virginia. I was so out of it. So, um, yeah, but then Pete picked up and yeah. So hold on, you know, the, the combines, right? For, is it the same for special team guys like kickers and punters? Is it the same or is it different? It's the same. We, um, we do our workouts. We just punt. We could do the 40 and all that other stuff, but I was like, I'm not going to do that and risk. Okay, so you an injury for an ego thing. So yeah, I didn't do any of that. You didn't run a forty. You don't know. What you, I mean, do you know what your forty speed is or your best? No, I've never been timed. I, I don't know. It'd be it'd be decent for a punter. I wouldn't be. I'm not like the fastest punter, but I feel like I'm in the more athletic category of punters. Did you at least try like you know repping two twenty five the pounds the two yeah. points? So I was going to do that. So in college, my first time, we used to do it uh, with the team. I hit like twenty twenty one. 19 Holy so i was shit. like i could i could do it and i was like i should do it just to like for fun i talked to my strength coach here he was like what are you going to get out of it like teams don't care he's like it's just an ego thing and you're doing an ego thing for risking like tearing a peck or something i was like yeah that's true fuck that you should have did it bro 1920 bro that's that's you probably yeah, might be sick you might have been the strongest punter in the nfl right now yeah, maybe. Oh, there was a. I think there was a dude last year that got like twenty five or something. Did I think he he went back to college, bro? Twenty five times. Yeah. Let me tell you something. Yeah, there are wide wide receivers who cannot do fifteen, twelve. You know what I'm saying? Like that. That's serious. Yeah, team was hot in in college when I was doing it. They were so I knew it was pretty good. I love Tyler. I love him, but there's no way he can lift that bitch up nineteen times. There's no motherfucking <laughs> way. Like that's no. Holy shit! So um, you had the Seahawks as your choice. I mean, so what did it feel like being drafted in the fifth round? I don't, I, you know, I didn't know until you told me that some years punters don't get drafted. I didn't know that. Yeah, uh, it it was cool. So there was a lot of mock drafts coming out. Some were saying second round. I was like, all right, that's not going to happen. So then some were saying third, fourth, fifth. Some were saying seventh. I wasn't on some. I was like, no way. I was like, but whatever. You know, if I don't get drafted, I'll be a free agent and I'll beat someone out. Like that's the mentality I had. Nice. I was like, if I don't win it, if I don't win a job as a free agent, then, you know, that's, that's what's meant to be. Like, you should be able to win a free agent spot. So I was going in pretty confident, but I just wanted to get drafted. I wanted the signing bonus. And I know if you get drafted, you got a good chance of making the team. No, oh, it's crazy. You know, I'm just saying, like, later on, you know, some people get discouraged. Like, even Quandre got drafted later than fifth, right? He's Yeah, six maybe. You know, you hear about these later rounds, you know, you don't look at it, but, like, Look at you now. So, you know, it's, yeah. it's crazy. Congrats. Um, yeah, thank you. What was it like playing your first pro game with the Seahawks, man? It was good. Uh, I was kind of set up because we played in Denver and like high altitude means you kind of just, the ball flies way better. Um, and it was warm weather. So I was set up. Uh, I broke like a, I think I broke a few records, like NFL punting <laughs> records in my first game. And I was like, man, this is kind of easy. But then... <laughs> Yeah, uh, there was a couple games after that where I, I think the next game I shanked a punt. But um, it set me up for the season, got me in the Pro Bowl. So my first game was chill in the NFL. Yeah. I had I mean, uh, Pac-Man Jones talking shit to me pregame. I was like, right, let's see. He was, Yo, he's in a bit of trouble right now. Yeah, is he? I haven't seen. Oh, so, so yeah, he knocked some dude out unconscious two days ago at some club or some shit. Pac-Man's always getting in fucking trouble, you know what I mean? Like I was like, God damn. But um, what did he say <laughs> yeah. to you? He was just talking shit, saying he's going to house one on me. Because we played um, preseason games before that. And I was I kind of shredded in the preseason games. Like, I was well. 
So he obviously saw some of the footage. Like I was hitting long balls. He's like, "Yeah, hit a long one for me. I'm, I'm going to return it on you." Blah blah blah. I was like, All right, whatever. Like, let's do it then. And then I was going. I was trying to see him after the game to talk some shit, but he, he wasn't there. You know, that's a cool thing about Australians, you know, like when I meet them and stuff, like they don't have any, like, it's just a different thing. Like a lot of different countries they have, you know, some people are, they're fearful of Americans and things and, you know, like they get intimidated. But like when I see, like, so I've met some crazy ass Australians, right? <laughs> and one of my favorite movies is actually was made in Australia. It's about this movie, uh, this movie called Chopper. And Chopper, uh, yeah. Chopper Reed? Yeah. And, you know, yeah. he's a crazy motherfucker. Like that was, <laughs> goddamn. So, you know, I just think about that. Um, what was your welcome to the NFL moment? Do you remember? Uh, yeah, it was um, like in a good way. I mean, regardless, just period. What was, you know, impactful? Uh, it was, I feel like when I got like welcomed and like accepted by the team, because obviously John Ryan was the punter before me and he was like a legend in Seattle. He had like a great career. And I was like, man, I don't know if I'm going to be able to win the team over or win the fans over but i was like, i'm just gonna do my best and see what happens yeah. um it was in the preseason minnesota game i hit a couple really good punts that landed at like the three and bounced out of bounds i hit like a couple in a row and then i had like bobby and all these guys like pat me on it as i ran off the guys were getting hyped and i was like all right sweet at least i got some respect from these guys that was probably that was a that was a pretty big moment for my confidence nice 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 do you have any superstitions like, you know, before a game, anything like that? I used to. Um, I used to have to, I used to do weird stuff. But now I just like, I do I have a routine. Like I meditate. <laughs> I do some like breathing exercises, like some Wim Hof breathing, go for a walk and that's it. Nice. Okay. Nothing crazy. So what's the biggest hit you've ever taken or even the biggest hit you've ever given? Biggest hit I've taken was kind of weak. Um, it was two years ago. Guy was returning, uh, I think it might have been Farrah Cooper. I shanked a punt and he returned. Oh, it's just a low hang time punt. He was returning it. And then I tried to cut off the field to make a tackle. I thought a dude wasn't looking and he saw me last second and just like shouldered me in the ribs. I like just took all the all the ah, air out of me. Fuck. Um, biggest hit up. Uh, I've really had many hits, which is a good thing. But I guess I, I got a tackle against San Fran in the last that. game when we played it. I remember that. Yeah. I don't know if you remember, um, I came on the field pre-game, and I said, what's up to you? Um, this is the, right before COVID, two obviously. Years ago. Yeah, two years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, and I, I seen you. Yeah, it was funny as fuck. Like, <laughs> I remember I was talking shit to Tyler, and because, um, uh, you know, he won the Snickers chain, and we we're talking about that. But, uh, you know, actually, I, I just, I didn't look it up. I could have Googled it, but how many tackles do you have in the pros so far? Just one. That one this year. I got one in the uh, preseason game, my uh, rookie year, that Minnesota game, I got one. Um, but if you're making tackles as a punter, you're not you're not really doing well. Like you don't really want to be making too many tackles. It means you means you're hitting some pretty bad balls. I mean, do you practice tackling at all during the regular season? No, right? No, no. Like even that tackle against San Fran that I did this year, you can see that I don't practice tackling. I just kind of sprinted over to him and just tried to hit him. Like I, I just try and hang on and get him down. Like I'm not trying to do anything too crazy. Hey man, you're not that small of a guy. You know, pause. You're, you're, you know, you're definitely a bigger dude. Um, yeah, I'm bigger than the returners like half yeah. the time. Yeah. So what's practice like during the season for you? Like for a punter, you're, you're separated. You said, right? Yeah. Yeah. We're pretty separated because we need a whole field. So I'll get out. So 30 minutes before stretch and I'll start punting. I'll start warming up, doing my punt. And then, so I'm basically by myself out there. 
and then punt period comes around and then I just do my punts and basically chill until uh, I'll do some more punting after the period and then hold some balls for field goal and then we kind of just space it out because you can't you can't just put it two hours straight otherwise because it's just like such a small amount of muscle groups that get worked. Right, you know? right, right, right. So, you know, I just realized that. I've always, I always forget. Every time I see Myers go out, you know what I mean? I totally forget that you're, you know, you're also the, you know, the placeholder, you know? So I trip yeah. on that. I think about it. I mean, do you guys ever fucking practice any more like special sneak play? Can you throw a ball? Yeah. <laughs> so you got, yeah. <laughs> like, we used to do like, you know, before you got here, we had, there's a couple times we did some, you know, like, I wish there were more special sneak plays during special yeah, teams, so like during the kick, you know, field goal, kickoff, whatever the fuck it is. I miss that, you know, like seeing plays like that where, you know, like, I mean, if that happened and you guys had to run a play, you could probably, you could throw what, 15, 20 yard pass, couldn't you? I, yeah, I can throw it like, if I have to bomb one, I can throw it like 40 yards. I mean, it's not, <laughs> it's not like a, on, it's not a dart or thing, but I can throw it 40 yards. We've got some fake throws like in store, but it's just, um, it's just, it's all about situation. Like it's, it's got to be perfect for us to do it. I'm always in their ear saying, let's do a fake, let's do this, let's do that. Coming up with ideas that have never worked, but at least I'm like getting them thinking. But when it comes down to like those plays, right? Ideally, yeah. is it the, uh, who's the head of the special teams coach for us? Uh, Larry Izzo now. Used to be uh, Brian Schneider. He's at Jacksonville. Oh yeah, 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 Schneider. So, I mean, who makes that call though? Would, would it have been Shadi or would it have been Pete? Uh, Schneider. So it would be Schneider would go to Pete saying, we have this. What do you think? Like you still need the clearance from the head guy. Right. Right. Damn, man. Next time you just want to fucking be like, fuck this on a punt next time. Just don't do it. Just throw a Just throw it. Well, Pete's always telling me run it. He's like, if you see something, run it. I'm like, I have a, I catch it for a second and I basically kick it in a second. Yeah. I'm like, I can't, I like if, if you want me to run it, we need to set something up for me to run it. I can't just... Right. No, you need a split second, right? Like, I mean... Actually, you know what? I didn't think about that. Has there ever been a time where you kind of caught it late and be like, fuck, I can't kick this, and you had to run it? Uh, no, at Detroit, where we're meant to take a safety, and I was like, there's no one in front of me. I'm just going to run for the first down. And I ran in and got it. Oh, nice. Look at that, yeah. see? <laughs> Michael Dixon, the motherfucker about to take Chris Carson's job, man. Um, so uh, do you get a lot of interaction with Pete? Yeah, I mean, more so than a normal head coach, I'd assume. He, um, he's always bouncing around at practice, coming up. He, he tries to talk to pretty much everyone. He's, he's pretty in touch with everyone. Oh, that's nice, man. You know what I'm saying? I mean, he's loved in Seattle, bro, regardless. Even when we lose, you know, he's a loved guy. And, um, you know, I had a lot of guys, uh, friends of mine, especially Reggie Bush, he played under Pete, you know, at, at USC. So, you know, it's like, you know, Pete was in LA for a long time. So it's just a, something I always want. I never got to meet him. I've never got to, um, and to tell you the truth, I really don't want to, man. I don't want to like, in a way, it's kind of nice having a separation. I mean, I've become friends with a lot of the players, you know, and some people get traded and it kind of sucks. And it jades me being a fan for the Seahawks, you know, Sam. So I'm kind of like, I don't want to like, you know, just even in the last, you know, couple of recent years, like Quentin Jefferson or like DJ Warrior, I get sad, you know, like I'm like, damn. You know, these guys are gone. But uh, I always wonder what Pete was like. You know, I mean, everyone's always said cool things. It's just just curious if, if you guys had a lot of interaction. Yeah. I mean, just sitting in his team meetings as well. And you kind of, if you separate yourself from the team and you see what he's doing, 
it's really cool. Like he's in touch with, he talks to people, he takes advice from Mike Gervais, who's like a sports psychologist. And you see him doing absolutely everything to try and build juice on the team. It's a, it's just a real positive environment. Like he, he I trust him with like a lot of shit. So he's right. good. So let me ask you, man, what's the biggest misconception about a professional punter? Uh, misconception. Uh, I don't even know. Like that, we don't do much that we just kind of chill half the time. Like that we're, but it's like somewhat accurate, but it's just such a mental game. It's like, especially when you get sometimes three plays a game. And if you mess one of them up, that's 33% of your plays were trash. Right. But you need to just like put it behind you. It's way more of a mental game than, than you would think. It's not just trying to kick it as hard as you can, because if one little thing's off, it's off. I mean, there's a science to it, especially look, man, when we punt inside the 50, it's kind of always an awkward thing to me. Do you know what I mean? I kind of be like, fuck, man, why can't we, like, bro, you, you want to run the ball at third and 18, but then we're at fourth and one and we're at their 40, not our 40, we're at their 40 and we're going to punt. Come on, man, we can't even, like, you know, it's like one of those weird uh, cusp where you can't really kick it because the field goal be like 60, you know what I'm saying? And then you can't really, like, it's a weird thing. I'm like, come on, man, let's, so I always get nervous when it's like a shorter punt. Cause like, what are you doing? You're putting into the fucking end zone, or what are you gonna do? You know, I mean, I mean, I guess you have to practice how to punt it high and you know, like short. Yeah, it's a that's you just gotta. I tried to ignore the game half the time because like, if I get wrapped up in it, like, what are we doing here? Like, oh, which I sometimes do. Like, I try and ignore it. Like, yeah. Or if we're like losing, we get sacked. Like, I'm better off just not looking. Oh, because like then you start feeding into the energy of the game, and then that's like another element that you have to deal with. That makes it even harder, bro. I'm sorry, man. That's crazy. That's that's difficult. You know, because um, another thing, too, is uh, my season tickets, right, for the last nine seasons, oh, eight seasons. No, nine seasons. Fuck, I missed last because of COVID. My tickets are on the visitor side. I don't want to see shit that's happening on the player's side. I feel like I'm going to get too crazy. I might jump on the field and get arrested. You know, so, like, I just get, you know, I get too caught up in the game. I do, you know, a lot of fans do, but I can't imagine being there and that, that's a crazy thing to know that, yeah. you know, it's better for you not to. It's, it's, wow. Yeah, that's, unless it's like the end of the game, we need juice on the sidelines. Like, I'll, then I'll get, like, into it. But, yeah, most of the time I'm trying to ignore it. I mean, no offense, Mike. Like, you know, you know I fuck with you, uh, you know, ever since last season, especially, or, you know, the two seasons ago, whatever. But uh, I don't really want to see you on the field, if that makes any sense yeah. to you. I agree. So, look, man, this past season... It's fucking weird. No fans. Strange. But, you know, you did really well. If you saw all the Seahawks fan pages, at least, you know, the top four or five pages on Twitter and on Instagram, you know, they gave you an average grade of A-. minus. That's excellent. Yeah. Do you know? So with that grade, and I know you're a nice guy, bro, and I want you to just be real. Like, do you feel like you got snubbed this year for the Pro Bowl, man? Uh, it's just, it's a weird system in how they do it. The dude that got it is legit. Like he had great stats. Yeah, like he killed it. Um, Fuck that guy, man. No, I'm joking. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, obviously, like if you're a competitor and you think your numbers are like comparable, or you're obviously going to have bias and say your numbers are better, then yeah, you're going to feel snubbed. But also, I'm like, it is what it is. Like, so who was it's it? It's not my last year. It? Like who was it? Dude from Detroit. Oh man, come on, man. Jackbox. Just the fact that like 
look at the season we had and the up and down, the fuck, you know, the six games and going to shit and going to whatever. And then think of their season, like, come on, man. I'm just saying, like, for what it meant, you know, it, it you were more important to us than they just, that's weird, man. Punting in our stadium is not fun either. It's hard to read the wind. Fucking rain all the time. different directions, raining all the time. Like, if I could get to, like, if we had a dome at our stadium, oh, I'd be come on, chilling. Man. Jesus Christ, yeah. of course. I mean, that was part of our advantage. I mean, not for the punter, but as far as us, I mean, you know, we have to play in a fucking, you know, saying in, in the rain, you know, that's what, that's one thing I've always hated about it. You know, my cousins live in Seattle all their lives and um, my wife was born there. My uh, father-in-law is one of the main reasons why I became a fan um, because I joined on the team in 11, right? And joined, you know, in the fandom as a 12. And, uh, you know, I've been diehard since. In fact, it's weird because it's taken over my life more than even the Lakers. And the Lakers have been a big part of my life. And like, you know, I owned a business in Seattle since 2010. And just every time I go there, I'm like, bro, do you realize I, I had an apartment here or I have a condo in Seattle. I've been here hundreds of times and never fucking once have I seen a sunny day. Not once, at least one time. You know, can I see an yeah. 80 degree sunny day? You know? That'd be great. And just you just don't. You just kind of like, all right. But, you know, the game days, I don't give a fuck if it's, you know, I've been, what, there's been a couple games where it snows, you know, lightly and stuff. And it's just, you know, it is what it is. Yeah, I, don't, I don't know if that's true, though, because, like, doesn't it just depend on your play style? Like, if you have a team that plays in a dome every week, but they just run the ball, they're like, they have the best running offense and they have the best, you know, running defense or whatever. And then they come and it's raining and your state offense is like a throwing offense they're going to have the advantage because of the conditions. That's what I think. Kind of. For, for us, look, it's different. Like, right, like, look, there's days we have beautiful days. Even this season, I remember uh, one of the early games, I, I don't know if it was against the Rams or if it was, I forgot who it was. We had a home game during COVID, whatever, and it was a beautiful day. Like, a beautiful day. Sunny, it was rare, and, and it was, you know. But I'm talking about, for the most part, someone from, let's say, the Rams or, let's say, the Dolphins, when the Rams and the Dolphins have to play in Green Bay in January, bro, it's fuck, you know, forget about it. I don't care if you're running or whatever. Yeah. It's a tough, that's a tough place to play. Yeah, that's true. And um, I don't know if you remember, I flew to Green Bay last season, you know, the, the 2019-20 season. I flew to Green Bay for the playoff game and I was like, I was sick, like in every which way, you know. And, it was um, freezing. It was fucking freezing. It was the worst yeah. I know I asked you what your NFL moment was, but that's kind of like, you know, that was your beginning moment. I'm, what has been your favorite memory so far as a pro player? As a pro player, probably just getting getting in the Pro Bowl so far. I mean, we won a couple playoff games, but like they haven't been, well, we won, I've won one playoff game against uh, Philly last year. I mean, that was a good feeling, but something that like, has stuck with me since, it was probably like Pro Bowl and All-Pro my, my rookie year. Yeah, that was a big deal, bro. I mean, that, it would have been like many, many years, if not what, decades since a, a punter had got it in the rookie year, I think. Uh, yeah, I think, yeah, it was decades. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it was crazy, man. Um, so what do you think we need to work on the most next season? I mean, I'm sure, you know, regardless of, of, I want your perspective. I'm sure you've watched yeah. enough football, you know, and like, what do you think we need to work on the most next season for, for the Seahawks? So I didn't really know much about football for the last five years i've just kind of started getting a grip of it <laughs> recently so my opinion might not be the best but i, I think like having some plays where we the routes are like timed up like i feel like a lot of the time all our plays where we were waiting for someone to get open and that that just 
we never ha- felt like we never had anything where it was throw it before the person was there. I don't know how to explain it. I, I can't get what you're saying. Like a timed route. I feel like we didn't have any short route games and then like keeping people on their toes. That's what it felt like to me. But obviously. You know, it's funny you say that, that, right? And I know this is not necessarily what you're saying completely, but there are a lot of times where Hollister would get a seven yard play or even, you know, Disley might get a couple and some here and there. But meanwhile, I get it. We used Metcalf for the big 40-yard, 30, 20-yard plays, the big hero plays. Tyler's good for getting the first down here and there. But I'm like, yo, why don't we just throw some six, seven-yard short passes and do that all game long? We have the receivers for it. We have the quarterback for it. I don't understand what the fuck is going on. You know, and I know what you're saying. Like, you know, even when, you know, when, if you remember, Russell's headset went out. So for like, you know, several, I forgot how many series he had to go, but he had to go with just freestyle. You see how good it went. I mean, I'm just saying, you know, there's something just weird. And But um, me personally, and I've said this since our Super Bowl loss, bro, we just don't have protection for him. You know, I mean, I think Russell, I sometimes count. And I'm like, all right, Russell's hike, hike, hike. You know what I'm saying? He has the ball now. He legitimately has two and a half seconds to do what he has to do if he's going to throw. After that, he loves to hold the ball, do you know, for like, you know, four or five seconds. You know, we don't have that Tampa Bay offensive line. We don't have the Kansas City Chiefs O line. You know, yeah. so it's it's sucks, man. So hopefully, uh, we we you know we get him uh, what he wants. And um, I gotta ask this, man. You know, just on your personal opinion, I don't want to get you in trouble. This is you know, just want you to be truthful. I mean, do you think there's even a chance that Russell would leave Seattle? I don't think there is. I mean, I, just by the way that I see how they interact as a team, just from what I see, I couldn't see it happening. Um, I feel like they're going to work something out. What, like, what are you going to do? Let him go and try and find oh. someone that's half as good as him to be your quarterback? Like, you keep someone like him in the building. You listen to him and you keep him. Yeah. I've asked a few players, and they've all said the same thing. There's always these. I hate the fucking rumors. You know, like, oh, he's going to go to the Raiders and blah blah. And at the end of the day, let's just say, God forbid, he left. At the end of the day, we would get some good draft picks. And maybe pick up a couple defensive guys, but then we'd have a really shitty quarterback running, you know, our team, and it just would doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense, yeah. You know, because for th- it took thirty years to get a franchise quarterback in Seattle, and you know he's here now, and you know he's such a big part of the city. You know, he owns part of the Sounders and all that shit and everything, and just you know, I don't know, man. So it's it's a weird thing, and I just think we need to give him what he wants. And there's just some uh, questionable moves that we've done here and there, but everyone has a complaint for every NFL team, and it doesn't matter who it is. You talk to every player on every team, pretty much 90% of them are going to say something negative, but the general undertone is going to be like, it's, I'm happy to be here, but like these, we want perfection like a lot of the time. So a lot of the time it sounds like we're complaining or doing this, but I mean, if you don't have some negative criticisms to say, like you're probably not going to end up winning the Super Bowl. Like you got to be real. And if that's him being real, then there's nothing wrong with it. I'm sure that there's 90% of the other players in the league would say something similar. I'll be honest with you, man. Every game, I'm ready to have a heart attack, especially in the fourth quarter. You know, I'm like, what the fuck? Now, the crazy part is there's two games I just can't let go, you know, and obviously one of them was the first Rams game, you know, and I'm just like, yo, we could have won that game. You know, even the Buffalo game, we could have, you know, and and Buffalo's, I thought they were going to the Super Bowl. I personally, honestly thought they were going to go. And, um, 
I just feel like with the team we had this season, regardless of if our O-line was not excellent, I know those little things. Like let's say, for instance, you have an average score of a 76, 80% O-line when the elite teams have a 90-something. I get the difference. But, you know, we just overcome adversity, you know, with Seattle, and we just make it happen. I just really felt like for a second I was like, yo, man, we have a we have a shot. You know, I'm, I'm not Definitely. being delusional here. I really think that we have a chance to get there. And, you know, it was kind of a heartbreak, and it is what it is. And, and um, I think, you know, next season is really – I mean, it was like, oh, next season. We'll get them next season. I don't want to say that shit too many more times, you know. the yeah. you know, Two more years, it would be 10 years since we won the Super Bowl. So it's just something I thought about um, – and, uh, you know, hopefully we do get this O-line for him. And uh, and I'm glad that he was vocal about it because Russell's really not ever said anything. You know, he's always so positive. And not, yeah. that, not that that was negative. It was just, you know, just got to say something, man. You know, the fucking captain of the team. Yeah. Anyways, uh, Mike, man, it was a, a pleasure interviewing you. Um, I've uh, really, really for actually all season long, I was like, damn, man, I got to get a different opinion from a different type player from, you know, when I had DJ, when I had, you know, Warrior on here, uh, you know, there's some things I learned about, you know, defensive linemen and things like that. And then, you know, having a, I think an offensive lineman be probably interesting too, because it's a different perspective. They don't get the spotlight. And I said, look, Michael Dixon needs to get the platform so we can kind of hear, you know, and then on top of that, Australia, you know, and like, this is all interesting things, you know, and I, and I hope it brings, it sheds more light on you is what, you know, what I want this to do. Yeah, appreciate that. Thanks for having me on, honestly. No, no problem, man. Been fun. So uh, I'm sorry about the situation in Texas right now with the electricity and all that's crazy. But every show that we end on this podcast, we always ask, is there a question you'd like to ask me? <laughs> mm, yeah, all right. Uh, I know you're into your cars. I just saw the uh, Elon and Rogan podcast. What do you think of the uh, Cybertruck? I, look, man. So I don't know if you know the history um, a couple years ago, I got locked in my Tesla. Oh. And uh, I was locked in there for 47 minutes. And this is before I had a podcast or anything, right? And when I got locked in there, you know, there are two things that were going on. One, three things, sorry. One, it was my wife's birthday. So I missed her party, like for the most part. And I was showing up late. I don't want to, because her and her brother, my brother-in-law is a diehard Seahawks fan since he was born, right? Right. They were going to a Kansas City Chiefs bar. I was like, why the fuck are you guys having a birthday party at a Kansas So I didn't want to be there just for the, you know. The, so it was like a, a weird thing, you know. And then um, my wife and my brother-in-law are born a couple days apart. So they always have their birthday party together. So I wanted to show up a little bit late on purpose. And I get in the Tesla and the doors lock and my electricity is fucked up in the car. I can't get out of the car. So not only was I stuck in the car... I put on my Instagram stories um, in real time, you know, like that was banging the door, hitting the window with my foot. I mean, man, you know, I used to build squat Jeez. many plates. Yeah, I was kicking it. I didn't know that there was an actual um, special uh, plate in the speaker where you can take it out and there's an emergency button. The only thing is I have three kids, so I have three baby seats. You can't really get inside the area. It's, it's pretty tight. I was in a, a Model X. So all this happened wasn't thinking too much about it. Now, the third thing that's happening is I'm going to meet Elon Musk two weeks away from that day. And I was going to drive the Tesla up there. I was going to, you know, kind of document it. It was a big deal. My um, One of my best friends is the biggest Elon fan. So I was like, oh, shit, okay, this is cool. Boom. And I was doing it more for him than that. And we 
we're going to gift him a $30,000 ring that I made. I made a Tesla ring, like a really nice Tesla ring, right? right? And you know, whatever, yeah. I'm not really thinking too much. And then because that happened, all the Tesla haters, like, you know, people who try to like undermine, you know, Elon, what he does, they put it all over the internet. And then Elon saw it. And um, his assistant messaged me and she kind of had some like not so nice things to say to me. And I don't know, like, you know, look, bro, I may not have... $200 billion, but I worked really hard to get where I'm at today, you know, and I'm successful in, in the general terms. So I went off and then I posted yeah. the conversation between me and his assistant that he canceled our meeting and then she got fired and there was a big mess. So that, you know, it was a big fucking thing. <laughs> so the thing was, I was in a situation to where I didn't want them to fucking keep, I don't want to keep the car anymore. I was like, fuck Tesla, yeah. fuck this car. <laughs> so he bought the car, no questions asked. Someone came the next morning. Like I've never seen this shit before. They came to my house, right. took the car, paid it off, didn't ask for nothing. I signed three papers and that was it. Remember, this is a $160,000 yeah. car. They just took it. So with that said, at that point in time, I had already paid for my deposit for the Roadster way before the Cybertruck had even come out. So I'm gonna be honest with you. I don't have anything against Elon. I just thought that that was a dick move, especially where we could have talked it out and maybe figured things out. But you know, he took a negative thing where, hey, look, how about this, Elon? What if my kids were in the car and my oldest son has really bad respiratory illness? What if we couldn't get, you know, it could have hurt something. Yeah. It was just something to put some light to it. And if anything, I'm still supportive of what he does and what he's done for the world. So sorry, that's a long story, but that was the history between me and Elon. But if I can get a Cybertruck, meaning I can get it directly from Tesla, because I feel like my name is on a blackball list, you know? Like, <laughs> so um, I love it. Jaden Smith, who's Will Smith's son, you know, uh, he had like been in it and seen it. And I've, I've seen one parked at, um, the, you know, the one has been driving around LA a little bit. And uh, one came by my store, my jewelry store. And, uh, yeah. uh, you know, my employees took pictures and stuff. And it looks, it looks sick. And on top of that, the price is amazing. Crazy. You know? So it's so 80 grand for the trimotor one or something? For the best of the best one. Like their best yeah. one's 80. So it's like, come on, man. I don't even have a car that's under one, you know. No, actually my Escalade's 120. But I mean, you know, like most of the car, I know that sounds terrible to say that, especially in the times that we're in, but I mean, most of the cars that I drive are, you know, like a lot more than that. So this is something I really want. And and uh, yeah, if I can buy one, I want to get one. It looks cool. It's fucking massive. It's bulletproof. Uh, yeah, bulletproof. It drives good. You know, I mean, I'm, shit you know I, i'm all for it i mean uh and uh i know that that was your question to me but now i'm asking now <laughs> i'm curious yeah. what do you drive mike do you have a car yeah i got a um amg 63 amg gt 63s oh shit okay look at you yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so did you uh i'm sorry i don't need any now i'm like completely sparked up a question again so do you have a place in seattle or you just kind of rent a spot there no, I'm just renting a spot. I'm looking to buy a condo in uh, Austin before Seattle, probably. Okay. So pretty much Texas is your home for the most part. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I like coming back to Austin in the off season. And I just know it's when getting something now, it's just going to blow up in a couple of years. No, you're, you're familiar there as well. So does your car go with you to Seattle or do you just do you keep it in Texas? No, it's, it's in Seattle. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah. Nice, man. Okay. Yeah. Well, shit, Mike, again, I really appreciate you taking the time, man. And I'm really excited. Um, I'm just hearing rumors right now that they're going to let 40% of the fans in at least. You know, one of the things that sucks is uh, I have charter seats, meaning um, I'm row D. So I'm like right in the first four rows, uh, 40 yard line. 
Um, my name just got put on the seats this season during the pandemic. So, you know, it used to say Ben Yang and now it says Ben Baller. You know, it's, it. it's like, yeah, gold little bar. So, you know, I was like, fuck, I didn't get to see it. So hopefully, uh, you know, I get to um, get to use my seats and uh, get to see you out there. We definitely got to connect and stuff. And uh, I don't know, man, have a, have a beer, Capitol Hill or something. Yeah, cool. Let's do it. Yeah, man. So thank you so much again, man. Ladies and gentlemen, that is Michael Dixon of my beloved Seattle Seahawks. Yo, Miles, man, throw on a commercial real quick, bro. And we'll be right back. If uh, you don't know how bad Texas is, man, you got to go see, go to my boy Bun B's page, but you you could just Google it. Just people are just, you could ask, I mean, go find locations, right? You know, on, on Instagram, you go to your search page where you search people's names and stuff. You know, on the far right, there's places. Just search Austin, Texas, Houston, Texas. It's fucking really bad, man. It's, you're seeing fish tanks in people's homes that are frozen, look like just straight blocks of ice. You know, people's nest you know, can, uh, the nest uh, thermometers are fucking down to 58 degrees inside the house. Like, I can't even get the house to fucking 69 sometimes, you know, 68 with the AC, like 58 with kids. It's like, fuck. When you look at the grocery stores, the lines are down the fucking block. You can only get, it's like, and on top of that, there's a pandemic going on. So it's just fucking crazy. And it's really, there's no question about it. Look, coming from a Republican that state has been ran wrong and it's fucked up. And the fucking crazy part of it is they think that it was right. This shit would have never fucking happened if stupid ass Ted Cruz was just, just all the shit that's going on in the state with the governor, the, the, the fucking mayors of each city, just dumb. But salute to my boy, Michael Dixon, man. I appreciate you coming on again. And again, I'm just, your boy doesn't really feel like talking too much, man. I know I did say, you know, quite a bit about Rex. It's just really fucked up. But you know what's what's not fucked up is Project 70 is launched, man. This is not a cash grab for me because to tell you the truth, man, I almost didn't do the project. So just know that it wasn't about no money or nothing. It just is just something that is cool where I can continue to, you know, be in the hobby, be a part of it, and be in the game, not be, you know, in the stands. You know what I'm saying? It's a different thing. And with Project 70, the coolest part about this is there's 70 years of history with Tops baseball cards, right? When you choose whoever you want to be as a player from the artists that, that are in this, you basically, you know, you choose whatever picture you want. You could choose anything. You don't have to choose the rookie year, whatever. And you have 70 years of templates. So a couple things I want to tell you guys. One, my Mookie Betts card is out right now. It is available until uh, tomorrow night, I believe. So 70 hours. So hold on, it's 48. So it's, uh, I forgot, but it's available for a little while, a little longer than, you know, than the 48. That was Project 2020. And what I'm going to do is everyone who bought one Mookie Betts card, okay, all you have to do is buy one. Everyone who bought one Mookie Betts card, I'm going to enter you into a raffle, okay? If you bought a Mookie Betts card, please send an email to card at gmail.com, okay? 
make sure you send a screenshot. Make sure you send your first and last name, okay? Make sure you send your first and last name. Hope you guys hear that again. Make sure you send your first and last name in the email with a screenshot with the proof that you bought a Mookie Betts, okay? I will enter you in a raffle for free. You know, you, you buy the thing, boom. And what's going to happen is I will get the list together. I will go on my Instagram live and I will announce the winner there. I will use random.org, which people are using. So it's totally random. You can see you know, spreadsheet, boom. And I will mix it up 10 times, whatever. And the winner will win a nano Jesus piece in your color of choice. You want white gold? You want yellow gold? You want rose gold? I got you, all right? A lot of you guys just bought the cards anyway because you like the cards. They're obviously worth a little bit of money. So go ahead. If you bought a card, send an email to benballerdidthecard at gmail.com. I will enter you into a, ra a raffle and you have a chance to win a little nano Jesus piece. You know what I'm saying? So now, um, for those who asked, some of you have, some of you haven't. This is something that I'm doing from the beginning, so I'm, I'm more organized with it. I am going to drop 21 autographs for all 20 cards, okay? There will be 18 blue or silver auto BBDTC autos, all right? Then there will be three gold autos, Ben Baller autos, all right? There's not gonna be no one-on-one. -on -one. It's not gonna be no every number here and there. It is going to be 21 cards throughout the entire series, and that is it. Now, with that said, I am dropping these cards at a very low price, at an unbelievable price, just because this is something special. I want this to be fun. I want them to, you know, people to, to rush the site again. I'll be doing some some merch for some of these things. And I might even do uh, some meet and greets in the RV. I haven't figured it out yet. We're doing this until the end of the year. So we got a lot of time to think of some cool things. And um, yes, yeah, so that's with the auto part. Now, the next part I want to tell you guys is um, Rex is obviously someone who meant a lot to me in my life. And he was in the hobby, was in it before, uh, you know, he was in it steadily, um, collected sports memorabilia, all that stuff and everything. He was actually my plug for Mill Creek Sports and everything. And so, you know, we only have up to card three. And now I push card three to card four. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to dedicate card three and four to Rex. So everything I do on that card is going to be inspiration from his life because that was my family and it's the right thing to do. It'd be a beautiful thing. Now, another thing too is before we go, I know everyone in this set that does some whatever, they want to do Tatis. They want to do Acuna. They want to do Mike Trout. I don't know. They want to do fucking, um, you know, Aaron Judge and, and um, Juan Soto and, uh, you know, uh, Luis Roberts like that. Look, I haven't figured out if I'm going to do any of those guys. I want to have some kind of a story attachment. I'm not doing all Dodgers at all. There's definitely different things, you know, but just, I just haven't figured that out yet. So, you know, I'm going about this in a different way. And uh, people are like, yo, you know, um, if you didn't realize my style is really no styles. It's different when it came to the cards, you know, there's not every car had diamonds on them and everything. So it's just, you know, doing things a little different. And, um, you know, I know the people who do Tatis and other stuff, especially the guys who are hot. You know, that's the easier, that's like the trout, right? The trouts always do well. 
It's when, you know, but everyone has their own choice. They can pick anything. So everyone can pick, you know, 10 blazing hot players. And, and, you know, it's in a way, I almost feel like it's a cash grab at that point. And again, I'm not knocking anybody for doing that. Just letting you guys know, man, I'm going to pick some vintage players. I'm going to pick some Asian players. I'm going to pick, you know, obviously some Dodgers. And I'm just going to try to throw it around. I'm still bummed out that Fernando Valenzuela is not part of the tops licensing uh, deals. But, uh, yo, that is it, man. I just wanted to dedicate this show to my cousin, man. This is just a crazy time. I am uh, gonna now head out and uh, planned this already weeks ago, man. We're gonna drive out to the mountains again and uh, they got a little lake where we're going. It's kind of cool. Gonna just send me off the grid and just jump in the RV and be on the RV life. And uh, I will see you guys back during the weekend wrap up. Um, I don't know if I'm gonna be recording from the RV this time, but uh, you already know, look, this is professional podcasting. The Dust Brothers, they don't fuck around when it comes to sound. You know, they edit the best. And uh, not just that, the other thing that they do the best is handicap. They are the fucking sport betting gurus. No joke. At DB Podcast, make sure you hit them up. These guys are on fucking fire. They're just killing it. And, you know, um, they're always there for me, man. The fucking greatest guys in the world. Um, once again, Rex, Yang, I love you, man. I miss you, man. God bless you, man. Rest in peace. Rest in glory. Rest in paradise. Yo, yo, before we get out of here, man, I just, man, I completely slipped my mind, Miles. Hold on one second, man. Don't end the show just yet. But uh, I got to say happy birthday to my mom. Yes, happy birthday, Helen Han. Uh, mom, I love you so much, man. You already know that we used to fight all the time because your birthday and Dr. Dre's birthday are on the same day. So we used to have the conflict of interest during dinners from like 1995 to 2000. Um, uh, anyways, mom, I love you. Happy birthday. Wow. Amazing. You are such an amazing person, such a strong woman. And literally the reason why I'm a hustler and why I am who I am today, man, amazing mom. I hope you have a great day. I will hit you shortly. And uh, speaking of Dr. Dre, last night in Clubhouse, somebody posted a picture of me with Dr. Dre at Eddie Murphy's house, DJing with Kid Rock and the Backstreet Boys and Fred Durst. This is a story I told in the K-Town Hustler part two series. It's fucking insane. So happy birthday, Dr. Dre. I'm glad you're back on your gangster shit. And man, we are out of here, y'all. I appreciate you guys tuning in. Please make sure you hit that subscribe button if you are not already subscribing and make sure you always tell a friend to tell a friend. And remember, this is not your practice life. This ain't a video game. You don't get three lives. This is your only life. Make sure you live that motherfucker all the way through. All right, y'all. We are out of here. Lakey Lake, take us to the crib, fam. <laughs>